Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Karen Green. Karen is the executive director of the Cat Adoption Team, CAT the largest feline-only shelter in the Pacific Northwest. Karen has been working in the animal welfare field for 20 years, starting at Best Friends Animal Society. During 10 years at Best Friends, Karen's roles included managing the Animal Help Office and serving as Assistant Director of the National No More Homeless Pets Program. In 2006, Karen relocated to Portland, Oregon, where she worked for seven years as the senior director of the Alliance for Contraception in Cats and Dogs. In 2012, Karen became the executive director of Cat Adoption Team. Cat finds homes for approximately 3,000 cats and kittens each year and provides 1,500 spay-neuter surgeries for cats with low-income owners. Cat is a founding partner of the Animal Shelter Alliance of Portland, which has doubled the live release rate of cats in the Portland metro area to over 92%. Karen has a special interest in communication, conflict resolution, and creating trust-based cultures in organizations. She holds a degree in organizational communication and a certificate in conflict resolution and mediation. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stacey. I'm happy to be here. So Karen, if you can tell me a little bit, how did you get started in animal welfare? Well, my first job in animal welfare was at Best Friends Animal Society in 1996. I started as a veterinary assistant in their cat area. Uh, So I was doing intake exams on cats and uh, medicating sick cats. They also have a lot of cats at Best Friends that have chronic health conditions that require regular medications or treatments. And so I was working with those cats as well. Did you go to Best Friends right after you got out of school? Yes. So I went from uh, from college down to Best Friends. I actually met met one of Best Friends founders, Gregory Castle, who's now their CEO, tabling in front of a health food store in Salt Lake City with a wrapped coffee can for donations and their newsletter, which was just a two color newsletter at the time and was was so impressed and excited to learn that there was such an organization. And it was before they really had their outreach programs much in place. They were primarily had the sanctuary there. And a couple months later, I was trying to decide you know, where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do with my life and wasn't really sure and remembered, oh, there was that place in Southern Utah. And I called and said, hey, do you have any jobs? And they said, well, we have a vet assistant job in our cat areas. Um, you know, how do you feel about needles? And I was actually terrified slash not by needles. I almost passed out the last time I'd gotten a tetanus <laughs> shot, but I said, oh, that sounds fine. And because um, <laughs> I really wanted the job and uh, I got over my discomfort with needles very quickly. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, this business does involve a fair amount of needles with all the yes. various distemper vaccines. And I'm sure you had a few diabetic cats there, too. Yeah. And a lot of cats on, you know, getting fluids for kidney disease, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it shows you can uh, do your human resource recruiting in front of a grocery store. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually, there were a lot of people who worked at Best Friends um, in those early days who found out about the organization by meeting the founders of, of Best Friends at tabling events in front of stores uh, in different cities uh, around the country. So You never know who you're going to meet, you know, at any given time. And it's like, exactly. one thing that I always like to think about is that we should all have our sort of our radars going at any event that we're at, because I have found so many wonderful volunteers and successful board members just through kind of always keeping my eyes peeled for strong candidates that would be interested in helping out with the cause. Absolutely. It's really relationships and people that make all of the work that we do in animal welfare possible. So, you know, that's that's how we make all all the magic happen is 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 making those connections with people. It's one of the things I find most rewarding meeting different different volunteers and our foster families and staff and donors and adopters, just the people that that make it all work. I would love to find out more in detail about the cat adoption team, but before that, it really intrigues me that you have a degree in organizational communication and conflict resolution and mediation. All of us work Working at board level and in various committees and our staff and the balancing of the relationship between our executive directors and our board or just even our volunteer boards and, you know, who's doing what, when and how. Uh, how has that skill been able to be applied in your workplace? Really in every aspect of what I do, I went back to school to pursue that degree and certificate after working in animal welfare for about 10 years. Um, my last role at Best Friends was working in our national outreach program. So I worked with and consulted with rescue groups and shelters and spay neuter programs um, of all different sizes, new groups starting up, large groups all over the country, and just really saw how much energy was going into a lot of conflict and how many people were being lost because of unhealthy organizations organizations. And just, I could really see that we're losing a lot of people and a lot of work and time and resources is getting just kind of sucked up by conflict and inefficient and unproductive communication between organizations and within organizations and between organizations and, you know, city councils or members of the public. You know, there's a lot of passion in our work and that can be really good. It's great that that we bring our hearts into what we do. It also means that that we're really engaged. That can lead to there being a lot more conflict as well and can mean that there's is a lot more potential for burnout. So it was just an area that I thought that we could use as a field a lot more skill and expertise in. And I thought that I would appreciate learning more about it and being able to contribute more in that area. And I really loved studying in that area, just being able to learn about how to handle conflict productively, how to create trust-based cultures in an organization, effective listening, creating strong teams, all of those things. And I, I bring them into every area of my work, but it's also something that I've really enjoyed being able to help bring to our field more. So it's something I speak about at conferences and have done presentations at different different shelters and 
uh, coalitions and for different regional networks and things like that to try to help spread the word about and help bring more support to people that are struggling with that in our field. That's fantastic. I feel that when there is conflict, if it's channeled in a positive direction with a very positive outcome, conflict can be good. Absolutely. Because it challenges you and it also it challenges a group of people to help make change. Without a little conflict, then we're sort of in the status quo, but yet the conflict has to be handled with a sort of positive energy and make it a positive thing. It can turn sour. And when it does, that's, right. that's no fun. It can also really strengthen relationships to come through a conflict with a positive resolution. You know, I mean, I think most of us have experienced that with, with someone in our lives and had a relationship become stronger after, after working through a conflict. But when you're in the, when you're in the heat of a conflict, it often doesn't feel like that. Like you have that path ahead of you, but finding that way through can be very helpful. And the thing is that a lot of us just haven't learned those skills. They don't teach us that in school. And I also think, you know, at times we try to always be peacekeepers. I mean, I sort of remember the first time when I was on a board and conflict became apparent, I felt like it was directed towards me personally, you know, and and I took it personally. I had to step aside and think, wow, you know, this wasn't about me. This is about some procedure or something. So you have to learn to be able to put it aside and sort of look at it separately and not have it feel personal because I think many of us always want to sort of keep the peace. And we have to understand that change uh, isn't a bad thing because conflict does have a change part to it also. Oh, me too. <laughs> I could go on and on and about this, but I, I, <laughs> I want to find out more about CAT. I honestly, I don't know that much about the organizations in Oregon. So this is a great learning experience for me, as I hope our listeners are enjoying learning about this. Can you tell us a bit about what CAT does and the history of CAT? CAT was formed in 1998, and we are really focused, as our name suggests, on finding homes for cats. Most of our cats, about 80 to 85%, come to us from other shelters and rescue groups. We partner with county shelters here in the Portland metro area. We also work with rescue groups and private shelters around Portland Metro, Oregon, and even out of state to help bring in cats and kittens from their shelters and rescue organizations to our shelter for whatever veterinary care they need and rehoming. We have an on-site hospital and are able to provide, you know, spay-neuter surgeries and veterinary care here. We have a foster program that's been a, a national model that uses mentors to provide support to all of our foster families. We do a lot of fostering for particularly underage kittens. So when we get in kittens that are under eight weeks of age, they go out to foster care to grow and get healthy and socialized and big enough to to be ready for adoption. We have nine off-site adoption centers, so people can adopt cats here from our shelter in Sherwood, which is just about 20 minutes southwest of downtown Portland, or they can adopt from any of our off-site adoption centers, and those are in Petco and PetSmart stores, uh, you know, Pet Loft and Independent local pet supply store, Purrington's, which is a cat lounge, uh, which is a cat cafe, veterinary clinics, 
And we have a thrift store where we also have a cat at any time that is available for adoption. So we try to give our cats as much exposure as we can. And we really focus at cat on trying to give each individual cat the housing and support and care that they need while they're with us. So some cats come in and they're they're pretty well adjusted and young and relatively healthy and don't need as much, you know, to find a home. They just need some basic preventive veterinary care and, and a you know, safe place to live and a chance for adopters to come and see them. Some cats need a lot more than that. They need more specialized housing. They might need behavior modification. They might need more kind of complicated diagnostics because there might be something going on with them medically. And then they might need to be on a special diet or medication or supplements to support them medically and or behaviorally. So we work to find whatever they need to help them be successful in the shelter and then really be ready to be successful in an adoptive home. And so we we really work to try to find that for every cat. We are a private limited admission shelter. And what that means is that um, we don't provide animal control services. We don't have a contract with any cities or counties to do animal sheltering for um, for stray cats. But we do, uh, again, take cats, we transfer cats in from the county shelters. So we get a lot of cats who, um, who were stray cats, went to a county shelter, had their stray period, and then the shelters transfer them to us for adoption. And that takes some of the pressure off of those shelters so that they can really focus on providing those stray services and field services and we can focus on on getting animals ready for adoption and finding them homes, which is really what our strengths are. Do you uh, assist cats with FIV and feline leukemia? We do have an FIV adoption program. We don't currently work with uh, feline leukemia positive cats. So we don't take feline leukemia positive cats into our program. We take in FIV positive cats and do pretty well finding those cats home. So we keep any cats that come into our program, we keep as, uh, with us as long as it takes to find them a home. There's not a time limit or, you know, any requirements that they have to meet to, to be placed for adoption. And our FIV cats, we provided a discounted adoption fee. They're available at our special needs adoption rate. And we actually provide some extra services for them. So their adopters during the first year after adoption can bring them into us for some extra veterinary support if they wish to. And we found that um, the adopters in our community are very open to adopting FIV positive cats. We're glad to have been able to find a lot of those guys, all of them that have come into us, great homes. We had one that we just got in from one of our county shelter partners. He needed a polyp removed from his ear and we did that surgery and he um, has an adopter already that had put him on hold before he had his surgery. So he just had his surgery and then he's going to his new home. That's great. Yeah. The Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society has great success with adopting out FIV cats. And we also do adopt out Feluk positive cats too. We have a, a great group of supporters that help out with adopting the Feluk cats. And we have a program called Care for Life. So they have uh, medical care that takes care of the 
Filu cats' needs for the rest of their lives. I mean, we don't have many kittens in Massachusetts, and so our kittens, even if they are Filu positive, they still get adopted, even though people know the lifespan is probably going to be pretty limited. But, you know, a kitten is cute no matter what. Um, and they just, you know, fall in love, fall in love first and explain later, I guess, is sort of our approach with the FIVs. We have them with our other cats out in our colony room and they're usually very friendly, you know, probably more friendly than some of our negative cats. So they just sell themselves. And, um, so it's really nice. It's, it's been, uh, it's been very successful for us and we take a lot of transfers in of FIVs and feline leukemia positive cats, um, from other areas in other red rescues in Massachusetts that, you know, aren't in the position to place them. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide and seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash reveal wild. So I'm going to go back to Kat still. I want to just make sure that uh, everybody is spayed and neutered before adoption. Oh, yes, absolutely. And you do pediatric spay neuter on the kittens? Yes. Yeah, we'll um, we'll alter it at, at two pounds. Tell me quickly. So, what is life like for a community cat in Oregon? It's it's harder for me to speak for the whole state. I'm much more familiar with with the situation for um, for cats in the Portland metro area. We're we're really fortunate, um, and and cats are really fortunate in our community um, to have the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon here. So they are a high volume spay neuter program for feral and community cats that's been operating here for gosh between fifteen and twenty years and has performed over eighty thousand free and low-cost surgeries for feral and community cats. So they're a great resource here and have made a huge difference for community cats in our area. And that's really made it so that we have really a minimal number of of at least feral cats coming into our shelters. So the, the friendly community cats that are coming into the shelters are able to be rehomed either directly from those shelters or through transfers to, to shelters like Cat Adoption Team. So if those cats, there's a good chance that they're cared for in their communities. Portland is a very animal-friendly community. People love their pets here. They love animals uh, in general in the community, uh, including including birds and cats and, and wildlife. The Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon and the Audubon Society in Portland have a very strong relationship here and really work together to encourage people to keep their pet cats indoors to protect to protect birds. There's not as much animosity as there is in a lot of other areas. It's really much more of a partnership. We have a very collaborative community and and that's really helped for the animals. There are a lot of resources out there. Our Multnomah County Animal Services, Multnomah County is the most populated county that is um, in the Portland metro area. Um, the Portland metro area is includes parts of 
four different counties. Um, Multnomah County Animal Services has a program called the Apartment Cat Team, and they work with apartment managers to provide uh, spay and neuter for free roaming cats on apartment complex properties to prevent prevent unwanted reproduction and to pick up cats that have maybe been left behind by previous tenants and get those cats altered and rehomed where possible. So there are really a lot of great programs um, out there to help cats get support and help in the community and help them get into new homes if they're cats that that want to be pets and are appropriate to be rehomed into adoptive homes. Sounds great. Sounds like the community cat toolkit is pretty full in Oregon. Yes, and it, it's getting it's getting fuller all the time. Like with anywhere, there are still certain you know places that we you know little gaps that we're working on filling. But I, I think that cats here have a access to a lot more resources than they do in a lot of places. So, Karen, if people are interested in reaching out to you to find out more about your programs, how could they find you? So they can find Cat Adoption Team at catadoptionteam.org, and they can reach me directly at Karen G at catadoptionteam.org. They can also learn more about the Portland metro area and what's going on with the companion animal situation and shelter animals at asapmetro.org. That's the website for the coalition in our area, the Animal Shelter Alliance of Portland, or ASAP. Again, that's asapmetro.org. And you can see statistics for the um, primary shelter in the four-county metro area there um, and really see where we've come as a community and where things stand right now. So it's it's pretty interesting for people who, who want to take a, a, a deeper dive into numbers and things like that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? You know, I think that it's important that people recognize, you know, that that everyone out in the community has a role to play in helping in helping cats and in helping animals. And that by helping a cat that you see out in the neighborhood or a neighbor who might be struggling to care for their own pet, you can improve an animal's life, improve a person's life and really make a big difference. A lot of what's happening now is we're getting to where, you know, of course, there's still a lot of efforts to to improve what we're doing for animals in shelters, but we also really want to be improving the care and the welfare of the animals that are out in the community. So the shelters can be a resource for that. And we really want to engage with everyone out in the community to help resolve some of those situations by keeping pets in their homes or in their neighborhoods and improving their lives where they are rather than having them lose those homes or be taken away from those communities and ending up in shelters. So I encourage anyone to think of, you know, and look at when they see an animal in need or a person in need with their with their pet, what may, might I be able to do to help keep this animal in this home um, and help them be more successful or happier there? Karen, thank you so much for joining us. We could probably go on for a whole nother half an hour, one one cat person to another. <laughs> I'm sure we could. <laughs> but thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I look forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks for having me, Stacey. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone.